Salutations, everyone, and welcome to the Triple R Podcast, the Retro Wrestling Report. My name's Warren. How's everybody doing? Fantastic Sunday to you all. We are here to talk about some ECW Heat Wave 1998. Our first venture into the ECW waters. Uh, let's bring in the compadres. Brother, Chris, how are you today? Ooh, I'm feeling pretty good. This is a, a real throwback for me. Uh, forgot how crazy those ECW pay-per-views could get. <laughs> I accidentally started watching this with the family. And <laughs> the very Ooh. first thing... <laughs> Um, the franchise Shane Douglas comes out with Francine and she is wearing a very little and Kara goes should we be watching this in front of the baby I said yeah we probably shouldn't and quickly put it on my phone and like when show your tits show your tits (laughs) show your tits (laughs) completely forgot how rowdy uh, ECW got but uh, I was quickly reminded within the first two minutes (laughs) Of the pay-per-view but uh, <laughs> it was real fun it was real great ecw did not waste any time getting right down to uh brass tacks if you will uh with whatever they were doing um the crowd was always rowdy the scantily clad women the the language and now here it is on pay-per-view not even on regular cable tv pay-per-view they could say whatever the f they wanted um and then the other compadre pilch justin pilcher how are you i'm doing good uh thank you so much for having me by the way i just can't continue to do this (sighs) thanks for being here pilch really appreciate it you're welcome chris one of these days i am going to honestly warren after last week's episode it it was 50 50 whether or not i was going to come back (laughs) (laughs) after capital combat is what you're saying or you go but after the uh after our last pre-show no no after capital combat i felt like um and, and no disrespect to you, you know, I, I love you like a brother, but mm-hmm. I just felt like I made so many fantastic arguments that Chris did not realize. And, you know, it's hard to be underappreciated the way I have been in these Chris Lee hosted episodes. <laughs> I just, mm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't. But let's uh, take the Triple R podcast to the extreme here and go through what we just watched, ECW Heat Wave 1998. This card is stacked with high-level ECW talent from top to bottom. Uh, let's start from the beginning. ECW Heat Wave 1998 took place on August 2nd, 1998 from the Hera Arena in Dayton, Ohio. 
a capacity crowd of 4,400 here. And that's typically that's, that's typically about right for an ECW show. I don't ever remember them breaking even more than 10,000. I don't ever they don't think they ever played an arena that to that magnitude. Everything was pretty small and intimate uh for their shows. Um any initial thoughts uh let's start with Chris um for Heat Wave 1998. Uh initial thoughts were on the year 1998. My initial <laughs> <laughs> just on the year 1998, what are my yeah? That, that that's what that, that was Warren's question. So, what are your thoughts on the year 1998? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would have been 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So, big things were happening. I think I was budding on going through puberty then. Uh, you know, fantastic news. Good was, for you. Voice was dropping a little bit. You know. Um. I don't know, man. I was probably just hanging out, playing with some Power Ranger toys, thinking about boobs. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. So so nothing's changed from 98 to 2020. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's all the same. It's all the same stuff. So now I can correct myself. Chris, initial thoughts... <laughs> On Heat Wave, the pay-per-view, 1998. Um, initial thoughts, I was I was I was real excited to see some carnage. I knew ECW was, you know, big into that kind of stuff. But kind of like, you know, it's regular wrestling, but there's just never a disqualification. Like they just don't do disqualifications. Anything goes. Um I at the start of the pay-per-view though. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but right behind Joey Styles, when he's in the ring, looking at hard cam, welcoming everybody to Heat Wave, there is a guy in the crowd, and he has the biggest dip in his mouth. Like, his bottom lip is full of dip, and he is so excited to be there. And you saw it from that far away. He was right, he was right in the front row. There's like if you look right over Joey Styles, so like if you're looking at Joey Styles, my so our right, his over that right shoulder to the right of his shoulder, it's like this guy standing there, just like, Whoa, yeah, ECW, baby. And he's got all this dip in his mouth. <laughs> and I think he summed up ECW's fan base for me, like in that moment in that instant like that was that was ecw that's who they were attracting that and they wanted to see carnage that's all they were there for justin pilcher what do you have on your initial thoughts not so much for 1998 but for heat wave 1998 Uh, i mean i'll give you my thoughts on the year 1998 if you don't mind you mean go right ahead you're just gonna do it anyway (laughs) So it was a fantastic year. Um, it was the summer of the home run chase. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. You know, oh, Cam Griffey was in, was in there for a little while. I was in 98. I didn't, I didn't realize the 98. that. 98. Mm. 
Yeah, it was a uh, fantastic year. You know, Mark McGuire broke the record, which was broken by Barry Bonds three years later. But, you know, we don't have to discuss that. <laughs> Did you know that after Mark McGuire broke the home run record, Nerf, was it Nerf who made it? I think it was Nerf who made it. They made a Nerf bat and imprinted on the grip of the bat were where Mark McGuire puts his hands on the bat. And they kind of sold it, marketed it as like, if kid, if you use this bat, you're hitting, like, you can only hit home runs with it because that's how Mark McGuire holds the bat. And that's the secret to hitting home runs. I believe that. Uh, you should believe it I mean, because there, there, it. there is. Jo- that was a Jolie purchase. <laughs> it was it was a Jolie purchase. Joe bought that bat because he loved Mark I McGuire. also believe that. <laughs> I have a uh, Mark McGuire bobblehead that sits on my desk to this day. <laughs> so, uh, did Cody uh, no, ever no, get you that uh, the Jedi bobblehead? No, he did not. I mean, I do have the uh, I do have the Grogu bobblehead, but you didn't get the Judge Jedi one. No, unfortunately, oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, notable births in 1998 were the R&B singer Khaled, the real. Well, Sitcom star Ariel Winter, NBA interesting. NBA player for the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum. Uh, Markel Fultz was born in 1998. Uh, ooh, Will Smith's son, Jaden Smith, was born in 1998. So it was a great year. It's a good year. You know what else happened in 1998? What's that? This pay-per-view, Heat Wave 1998. What about that? Oh, Heat Wave 1998. Uh, you know, this is... I had never watched an ECW pay-per-view before yesterday. Yeah, well, Warren, hit him with a you're welcome. I think this definitely deserves a... You're welcome! I have a lot of notes. A lot of notes. <laughs> This this definitely um it, it, so if I would have known that you had not really watched the ECW pay per view before, I don't know if there's ever an ECW pay per view that'll kind of ease you into what ECW is all about. Uh, I, all of their pay per views are always just going a hundred miles an hour, and this one was no exception. Well, I mean, to be honest, what I remember about ECW was me being younger, like between like 10 and 14 and being like drunk off Mountain Dew and like watching ECW at two in the morning. Just be like, oh, this is fucking awesome. And then like I never watched anything outside of like the random occurrences. I caught it on television. Mm -hmm. So I never had any sort of like recurring storylines or anything like i saw like a one-off episode here and there i know i thought it was great like don't get me wrong so watching this and seeing the storylines that they were running had me completely flabbergasted first of all and second of all Did they really charge $50 a person to buy this? No, pay-per-views then were not 50 bucks a pop. For sure? any for any promotion. I'm 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 willing to put money on it. 
I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just asking if you were sure. No, I don't. In 1998, no, um, I don't even think WWE was 50. They might have been 40. And ECW, with if they're 40 and WCW is 40, ECW was not. I mean, it might have been 30. It was less. It had. It definitely was less than what WCWs and WWF were putting out at that time. But uh, yeah, no, I was excited to step out of our comfort zone, I guess, and you know, watch this. I guess. Well, more, more of your, more of your comfort zone because I was uh, knee deep in all of ECW. Um, mentioned a little bit on the pre-show. I was in high school at this time. I was. Heading into my sophomore year. This is August 2nd of 98. Um, God, you're so old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um, but no, I lived for staying up for till one and two in the morning to catch the weekly ECW show on, on our local MSG channel up here and would either stay true to form and fall asleep before it happened. Or I'd stay up and for whatever reason, MSG would be showing some random cooking infomercial instead of ECW at the time. Um, but no, I was, I was all about this and, and so many of my favorite ECW wrestlers are on this card, um, which we are going to get into the way we're going to do this this week. I obviously am hosting and Chris, is taking on Pilch for the right to pick our next pay-per-view. It should be, I I mean, I guess since we're watching ECW, we're going to go no disqualifications here. It's going to be just about anything goes. We are going to take the Triple R podcast to the extreme. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. I guess so. (laughs) So uh, my initial thoughts, Joey Styles is probably my favorite wrestling commentator of all time. Joey, Um, Joey, Joey. His versatility to where he can work with almost anybody as a partner. Here he had the world, ECW world champion Shane Douglas. And the uh, lovely Francine as his uh, commentary team. Um, But he did a lot of stuff by himself. I don't know of too many other guys that are in the industry that were would be able to be as entertaining and and manage handling all the the play by play analysis storytelling by himself. and it's very unfortunate here that the world champion is not in action. You would think at any pay-per-view you'd like to have your world champ uh, fighting on the pay-per-view, but he was out with a, an elbow injury. And my only, my only knock about watching re-watching this uh, pay-per-view, ECW used regular music as their theme music for everybody whether it was uh, legal or illegal at the time. 
So one thing that they had to do before they put it on the WWE Network is they had to scrub out all the music that they didn't have copyrights for. So it is littered with generic replacement music for everybody. Um, God, I have so many notes about that. <laughs> that's that's what it was. It was they they were using legitimate songs for for everybody. I think the only person on the pay per view that actually used their regular theme is because it was made for him. Was was Taz? Everybody else's well, theme was some kind of random nonsense. Um, so Warren did Mas- yes. did Masato Tanaka come out to turning Japanese? <laughs> no, because that that's what the the ridiculous theme song that they chose for him was sounded like. It's like turn to Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Now he um did not regular he did not come out to turning Japanese when this originally aired on pay-per-view sorry to so did (laughs) so did the dudleys just have no theme music or was that like they took it out they scrubbed it out they i think the dudleys in this one had no theme music okay Um, no they they walked out the silence yeah they they might have they might have had no theme music at this time at one point their music was Highway to Hell by ACDC. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I know Dreamers, they like kind of made it what his music is. Similar, like, yeah. It's like what they did with DDP's um, when he was at yes. WCW. It's like yep. it's kind of teen spirit, but it's not teen spirit. It's like it's off by like a little bit. Tommy Dreamer's theme was Man in a Box by Allison Chains. Right. So it's like it is man you like you can tell it's man in a box, but it's like it's just a bit off. It's like yeah. it, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how to explain it, but yeah. It would be nice to to hear the regular themes because some of them so many of those themes are are so good as just songs in general. Um so that took away from it a little bit. But let's Ring the opening bell and get to our first contest. It is Justin Credible with a cavalcade of stars <laughs> taking on Jerry Lynn. Uh, Justin Credible is out here with the self-proclaimed sexiest man on earth, Jason some monstrosity, Nicole Bass, and uh, this girl, Chastity. Uh, Justin Pilcher, let's kick it off to you first. Your thoughts on Justin Credible versus Jerry Lynn. Have you guys ever been invited to one of your friend's child's birthday parties? And like last minute, you had to go to like, drugstore to get like a like whether it be an Eckerd or Rite Aid or a Walgreens or whatever to get like a birthday gift of course so that's what I felt like Justin Credible did in this match was he realized like oh shit I have a pay-per-view match to go to I need to find some stable mates so I'm gonna go to the drugstore and I'm gonna find 
markdown versions of Tommy Dreamer, the cat and China and make them as my stable mates. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Oh boy. <laughs> that is um that's a great description, <laughs> Justin Pilcher. I gotta tell you that. That is a great description. Oh, Thank you. Um I also did this is a recurring theme throughout the pay-per-view. I also feel like they took the referees and they like plucked them out of a pit crew at Talladega Nights it was like, hey, you want to referee a uh Wrestling match, they're like, okay, well, I'm done changing this tire. I got nothing else to do. They're like, okay, great, come on. They're like, should I change? Nah, just leave the same clothes on. So. <laughs> they the the refs in ECW, uh, at least in this on this pay per view, um, they were dressed like they were um, employees at like AutoZone or Advanced Auto Parts. Uh, I agree. So the there's a lot of crowd participation throughout the entire pay-per-view, right? Like oh, 100%. Anyone that's on outside the ring, they're always talking back and forth the crowd. There was, at one point, there's this, like, big fat guy in the front row, and he keeps asking uh, Drugstore China for a, a BJ. <laughs> you mean Nicole Bass? Yeah, drugstore China, and I I think she agreed at one point. I, I it's it's madness. I wouldn't. I would um, not. Faster. Uh, there's a beer punch, which we will see many times over. It happens all the time, and I feel like this this is a two on one match. It's just incredible, and uh, the the man formerly known as Jason versus Jerry Lynn, like is. <laughs> Like, that's the best he could do. It's like, all right, hey, man, we're bringing you up to the pay-per-view. You ready to go? He's like, yeah, I'm ready. It's like, what's your what's your ring name? He's like, Jason. They're like, okay. <laughs> got anything else? Nah, that's all I got. I'm going to well, Jason. Well, no, he's the self-proclaimed sexiest man alive. Yeah, Jason, in my opinion. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Um, ooh. Justin Credible did have a very good chair catch, but as we all know, when you catch the chair, you're the one that's going to get planted on it. Worked out in his favor at the end of it. Um, I don't know. The The end was a top rope tombstone by Justin Credible after the low blow. I thought that was a... a here, here's the one thing about this pay-per-view. And it's going to be a sweeping statement for me for, throughout the entire thing. Is I'm, I'm not a huge fan of ECW... I'll never claim to be, but mm-hmm. I, what I think they get right is I think they get their finishes right. Like there's never a finish throughout this entire pay-per-view where I, where I said like, huh, that doesn't make sense or eh, I don't really like that. Like all their finishes are great. I think, um, you know, just incredible with a low blow to Jerry Lynn, who, who the hell is Jerry Lynn and who cares? And then Whoa. Whoa! Who is Jerry Lynn and who cares? I I feel like you're gonna make an argument and then I'm gonna rebuttal it and you're gonna feel bad about yourself. So I wouldn't even start. So 
so Jerry Lynn, Chris, Chris, Mark, Mark what I said. Mark what I said. Um, okay, I'm marking it. Thank you. you I, I know you're a fan of Jerry Lynn. Oh, I like Jerry. I love Jerry Lynn. Mr. JL back in WCW. I like Jerry yeah. Lynn. Yeah. Absolutely. You just see now saying stuff like that, Pilge, you're you're gonna force me the next time that I get a choice of of a match to or a pay-per-view to watch, you're gonna force me to get you to watch more Jerry Lynn stuff so you can come around if, to everybody else in the wrestling community at the greatness that is Jerry Lynn. If it's early nineties to mid nineties WCW, I'm all in. No, 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 no. His his good not that he was ever a bad worker, but his good work was this late nineties, early two thousands in ECW. Uh, I'm out. No, you, you gotta go out of your way to watch Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam, or Jerry Lynn versus Steve Carino for the ECW title. Carino oh. was, was RoboCop involved. RoboCop was not involved, but out. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. Here we go. Anything else before we move on to to Chris for this match? Because you're. Ridiculous takes are just they know no bounds. Um, yeah. Last thing, uh Just Incredible wore a got blood t shirt to the mm-hmm. ring. So I expected a lot of blood in this match, and uh there was zero blood. So a little disappointed by that. I thought like, oh, you know, everyone's gonna get busted open here. Here we go. And then uh yeah, nothing. So one um Oh, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Anyway, Chris, what do you got for this match? Just incredible versus Jerry Lynn. This was a great match. I thought it was a nice kind of change of pace for ECW with this match. Just incredible showing off more of his mat wrestling skills in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was at first I was like kind of thrown off because I was like, oh, man, they're just like. They're just grappling. Like, they're just doing, like, regular... This is a regular wrestling match. And you can hear the crowd is starting to... Starts to turn on them, like, kind of early in the match. Because they're just wrestling. And they're like, where's... where's Where are the chairs? Where's the tables? Where's the, you know... You know, where's the stuff we're here for? You know, they know... You know... You know why we're here. Give us that. And Jerry Lynn and uh, Justin Credible are just trying to, like you know, get some moves in, you know, do some regular, regular schmegular wrestling. And the crowd wasn't having it. Um, then they started having a little fun with Nicole Bass, where you can hear their them jawing back and forth. Um, uh, I have here, uh, Just Incredible wrestled in jean shorts before it was cool. Take that, Cena. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, Nicole Bass, that is a handsome woman right there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, last episode, we were talking about how, um, it, you know, for Capital Combat, they didn't, they had like the thinnest mat out in the outside of the ring. And mm-hmm. uh, Warren, I think you may comment that sometimes they didn't even have a mat. Well, ECW did not have a mat, and that floor was solid concrete. But that did not stop anyone in this match in the next match or the entire card from diving to the outside and not just like little safe dives. Like they were 
jumping. <laughs> they were jumping like over the barricade, jumping just like fuck it, like we're going. <laughs> so, uh, the funniest thing about the match, though, at one point, it's towards the end where there's some interference from all of Just Incredible's entourage, every all thirty of them. Uh, first, who was it? it was first, uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? Jason. Jason. First, Jason gets involved. He gets taken out by Jerry Lynn. Then uh, the other girl. Chastity. Chastity. She gets involved. And then Nicole Bass gets in the ring. And Jerry Lynn. First, it looked like Nicole Bass was going to give her like a Death Valley driver. Um, But then Jerry Lynn gets down and gives her a low blow. And Joey Styles goes right in the balls. You can't tell me different. Like, you can't tell me different. Tell Joey Ball, Joey Styles that Nicole Bass doesn't have balls. He's like, you can't tell me any different. You can't tell me any different. Hit her right in the balls. She deserves it. And then he like starts preaching violence against women because he didn't like that chastity girl. He's like, she's been. I don't. I don't. What does he say? He says he doesn't approve of like hitting women, but that bitch had it coming. (laughs) Oh, Joey, it's really going off the rails here, man. It's the first match. Joe <laughs> never wanted to hold his tongue by any means. Uh, and then I wrote uh, ECW is all about equality for women. Um, just because they, you know, they never shied away from getting the girls involved, like really involved. Like they don't just give them little Miss Elizabeth bumps like, oh, I knocked her down. Like they they get like they put, get put in some moves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like stuff gets done to them and they just, you know, you want to be in this business, you got to learn how to take a bump. <laughs> so there you go. That's a, those are my notes for this match. But just incredible gets the win uh, with a tombstone finish off the top rope, which I thought was kind of crazy. But um, also, I don't know if that. Uh, if the them checking on Jerry Lynn at the end of the match, I don't know if that was a work or not. I wonder if he really got hurt. Cause that's kind of like a scary spot, you know, just incredible jumping off the top, landing on his knees. I mean, if he doesn't tuck his head just right, I mean, you know, he's right on his head, get a pinched nerve or something, but hmm. it seemed like they were down there for a real long time. Checking on him. I was a, um, and I guess still I am. I was a big, just incredible fan. Oh, um, you and still are he, a incredible fan. Absolutely. And um, his tombstone, I mean, it's different than, like, the Undertaker's tombstone. But the fact that he was able to, to do the spin with it or do it off of the top rope, um, I don't think any of his tombstones ever looked more dangerous than they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was, he was very good about... Uh, protecting his opponent to make sure that you know everything was still on the up and up um we get our first oh my god from joey styles uh i tried to to count all the oh my gods but i got distracted (laughs) i think we only did it like once per match 
he might not have done it through for there were, yeah there were a couple that he did not do it for but um just Lance Storm and Chris Candino he didn't say an oh my god Mike Arthur and Masato definitely had an oh my god mm-hmm. Hayabusa and the tag team match they definitely had an oh my god and yeah every other, every other thing he yeah. had one yep definitely right. had, oh my god and the last one definitely had an oh my god so I think it was just one match he didn't say oh my god yeah um it was a hurricanrana from the top rope to the floor. Um, Jerry Lynn put Just Incredible through a table as well. Oh, yeah, that was a good spot. That Real good spot. Um, ECW's answer for China was Nicole Bass, and it was very went scary. to WWE, though. What's that? She was in WWE for like a hot second. And she, like, she was in WWE with China? Um, she might have been. Might have. Um, I want to say when she went to WWE, she was the heater for uh, stable. Right. I just can't remember if um, if China was around then. I'm not I'm sure. sure. She was. I know they said she was the muscle for Sable. She had a beef mm-hmm. with Deborah McMichael. Mm-hmm. And what else? I looked her up. I can't remember what else it was, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she had a thing with China. Yeah, it, it would be it, it would be smart of them to to put those two together because of just their massive uh, size and and strength. Um, as much as I'm a fan of fran- the franchise Shane Douglas, uh, I didn't really think he was built for commentary. He sounded very awkward through most of the pay per view. Um, when he wasn't cutting a promo, we'll get to it later when he's when he's doing the match for. Um, with Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow, everything else sounded very forced and fed and just didn't sound natural. Um, when he was livid cutting a promo on Taz or openly rooting for Bam Bam Bigelow to win that match, he sounded more natural. He sounded more comfortable doing that. So we probably should have just played that role throughout the whole pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, there was a Boy, spot here. I- Yo, yes, yes, please, Pilch, by all means. Can I say that um, I did think that Just Incredible and his stable should be called Just Incredible and the Drugstore Gang? <laughs> Just Incredible and the Drugstore Gang. By all means, go right ahead. <laughs> That's how I would have booked it, personally. <laughs> um, there was one spot where uh, a chair gets into the ring. And uh, you can audibly hear the ref saying, where did that chair, where did the chair come from? And that doesn't belong in here. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of saying those things, a normal ref would have just, you know, disqualified just incredible. No, all these matches are no DQ warm. That doesn't belong in here. (laughs) But, but, but they can get ca- but, but they can get counted out, which I thought was ridiculous. Like, oh, he doesn't want to win by count out. I was like, you can get counted out in ECW. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> they they did definitely get to pick and choose um, when they wanted to enforce rules and and whatnot. Uh, but let's move on. We spent a really long time in that first match. Yeah. Ring the bell. Here we- it is Chris Candino 
versus Lance Storm, former teammates in the triple threat with Shane Douglas. Uh there was a time so Bam Bam was there. Bam Bam leaves. Lance joins because he's in a tag team with Chris Candino, and there's friction the whole time. This is where it comes to a head. Um, and there's a surprise appearance by Candido's real-life fiance, Tammy Lynn Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny. He's uh, his valet to the ring here. Let's start off with Chris. What do you have for this match? Chris Candino versus Lance Storm. Uh, first thing I noticed was Chris Candino takes a shot at the Steiner brothers. I don't know if they had heat or what was going on with that, but maybe he was just trying to be funny. I don't know. But when they co- he comes down to the ring, I guess the angle is Chris Candino almost had his had to have his ear surgically repaired it was because it was ripped off mm-hmm. and now he's wearing wrestling headgear and when he gets into the ring you know tammy sitch you know lays a big old big old wet one right on him he's licking lips as warren <laughs> and uh <laughs> for those of you listening that's a, that happened off mic. We'll get into it another time. <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> Candino and Stitch are licking lips, and then after afterwards, he does the dog face gremlin like run around the ring thing, like barking, and then gets down on all fours, and then Tammy like gets behind him, and do, they do like the pose, like the Steiner brothers. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know these guys had heat. Like, why is he doing this? And maybe it was just being funny because he's wearing the headgear and like he always wears the headgear but I just thought that was odd and like the crowd erupted because they knew what he was doing um, but I thought that was fun um, the Lance Storm corner spot this is a favorite move of mine if I ever made a wrestler in a wrestling game and they had this in there because I feel like they did I used it a couple of times where he will do what is it? It's like a clothesline and then an elbow and then like a drop. It's like the three hits in the corner. Mm-hmm. It's the clothesline and then a low elbow. And then I think it's like a drop kick or something like that. Yeah. When they, yeah. When they fall down each rung of the, the, the turnbuckle. I really like that. Um, and then into the crowd they go. They go. They go out into the crowd, jumping over the barricade, fighting, fighting, fighting. Um you know, really exploring the space in this match. And again, it's a, you know, this is a very wrestle centric match. Nothing too crazy happens in it. Um, I lost count of how many spinning heel kicks Lance Storm did, but they were all over this match. He just couldn't, he couldn't stop doing a spinning heel kick. And the fir- very first one, he got some height. Like so much height that Chris Candino had to jump in the air to get this spinning heel kick. Like he was up there and then it's just spinning heel kick, spinning heel kick. We're going to do the spinning heel kick uh, all over the match. Um, Tammy Lynn Stitch teases a little wardrobe malfunction, but I don't think anything was seen. Uh, Unfortunately, 
and uh, but uh, Candino ends up getting getting a victory. He kept doing that uh, dazed pin spot. He really likes that. Where he's stunned and like you know stumbles over and like falls on him to pin him. Mm-hmm. He did that a couple different times. He really likes that 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 type. I I mean I don't mind. I think it's good, but he could have like kind of switched it up, like did it, do it a different way. But he did like the exact same like walk around the entire ring first and then fall. <laughs> um, Lance Storm's vertical leaping ability is always amazing oh you can jump out of that at gymnasium you can 100 <laughs> uh pilch what do you got for chris candino and lance storm lance storm versus mr no gimmicks needed accompanied by sunny you mean yes no gimmick needed so uh i was excited about this match i will say i immediately got unexcited by this match because I thought for once in our run that we were going to go through an entire pay-per-view without a reference to the Stu Hart dungeon. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're never going to get through a pay-per-view without referencing the Stu Hart dungeon. Within 15 minutes of this pay-per-view, Lance Storm trained at the Stu Hart dungeon. I don't give up. What? It's, it's hard to for someone to be in to get into the wrestling business from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and not have to go through the Stu Hard Dungeon. I thought it's just if you're born in Calgary, you have to go to the dungeon. Like whether you become a wrestler or not. That might be right. You might be right about that. Like hmm, that you know. Sure. You live in Albany, like you play Pop Warner, like at, you know, at Hoffman, like you live in Calgary, like you go to the dungeon and you learn from Stu Hart. But I want to be an engineer. I don't give a shit. You're going to go to the dungeon. You're you're going to the dungeon. (laughs) But I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. You're going to go and Stu is going to put you in a sharpshooter and you're going to learn from him. You're gonna get you're you're getting stretched out, son. You're getting stretched out by Stu Hart in his basement. I think he's a pedophile. Don't you say that about Stu Hart. I would have I would have loved to to wrestle around and get uh, tied up like a pretzel from Stu Hart. God, there's a the documentary. Is it wrestling with shadows? They do it. Maybe it, yes. They show Stu, he's got a class down in the basement, and this poor young kid, Stu is like a hundred. He's so old. Like he he gets down on the ground and he has this kid. I don't know, he ain't even know what lock he has in this kid, but he's like, Now watch this. I have him here, he's fine, but watch when I just turn this right here. And this kid starts screaming. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you feel that? He's like, it's such, <laughs> he got such a joy out of almost ripping this kid's arm off. And then like, he'll like relax back down. And he's like, he looks like he's just laying there on the floor. Yeah. And he just like twists his hip or like his shoulder, like rolls his shoulder just to, a little bit and this kid screams in agony and he's like face lights up he's like oh yeah you feel that (laughs) and then he like lets him go and he's like all right now help me up and get me back in my chair and like all these kids have to like get him back up to like his walker and his chair and 
tells him to run laps. That I remember. I don't know. It has to be in Wrestling with Shadows. It has to be. If it's not in that, I don't know which documentary it is, but it's just they're doing a thing on Bret Hart. It might even be the Owen doc about when I'm, he died. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was in Wrestling with Shadows. Um, but Pilch, please uh, continue with your thoughts on the match. There's a lot of good signs throughout this pay-per-view. One of them being in this match where a fan held up a sign that said forecast semicolon storm in sunny, which I thought was great. Um, It's a classic tag team rivalry match. You know, those are always good. I like that Joey Styles made it seem like as soon as Candido got his headgear ripped off that we might see an ear come off on pay-per-view. Which, I mean, that's something I want to see, so I was excited about that. <laughs> Do you guys think Sonny might have a thing for Canadians? I think she just has a thing for wrestlers. I I think well, it's... I mean, there, there was a Lance Storm thing. You know, Bret Hart seen, had seen Sonny Days at one point. Just yeah, but Sean, Sean Michaels has seen Sonny Days, and he's not Canadian. Oh, he's from the great city of San Antonio. I I think it's I think it's more of a wrestler's thing. Yeah. Than than a Canadian thing. Um, You could audibly hear Sonny tell the ref that he sucks like multiple times, (laughs) which I thought was interesting. (laughs) She literally looked him in the eyes like you suck. And he's like, "Okay, I'm sorry. It is a vintage 1998 uh, version there. Uh, I like that. I was a big fan of the powder spot. I like when anytime someone calls for like a weapon or a distraction and it like goes against them, you know, Candido calls for the powder, Sonny gives him the powder, and then it gets slapped in his own face and he gets kicked in the head. Um, that's always great. But, you know, he was so he was so disoriented that he hit his own wife and schoolboy the referee that, that like, was a who's, good spot. who's gonna count to three you're pinning the ref i mean what are you what are you doing here couldn't see man uh yeah and then he hit the uh blonde bombshell off top rope one two three um i was a little disappointed because I, I i felt like we were watching ecw here and the only weapon in this match was baby powder <laughs> <laughs> so I mean baby powder might be the most dangerous weapon. I mean it was here. But uh <laughs> yeah. Uh it was okay. I don't know. I mean I've never been a big Lance Storm fan. I know he's a great wrestler, and I'm not discounting anything he does in the ring. I just I don't know. But he Man. was trained in the dungeon, the Hart family dungeon. <laughs> Lance Dawn was a, a tremendous, tremendous in-ring wrestler. Was not so much uh was not so much tremendous on the mic. Um I do have a lot was, to say about what happened between this match and the next match, however. Oh, we'll we'll get to that. Um we talked about his vertical. Um there was a wild suplex. From uh, by Lance Storm from the ring to the floor on Chris Candino, and again, no mats out there. No but um, that one made me the- like flinch. 
A little, yes. Yes, a little bit. Absolutely. Um, but this match was pretty standard. Not much to it. Told a good story. Got to the finish. Um, and I think one thing that people may not realize about ECW, um, for as much as they were about the tables and chairs and weapons and hardcore, they were equally as about good technical wrestling, which is why guys like Lance Storm got over, which is why you see on other shows, um, well, when ECW started, the mid or early 90s before they all went to WCW, Eddie Guerrero, Benoit, Malenko, Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, um, all those guys were were ECW mainstays before they before WCW created the cruiserweight division. Um, so they were just as much about regular well good wrestling in the ring as they were about getting extreme at points Warren I'm glad you brought that up because I kept a running tally and I would like for you and Chris to both guess this I kept a running tally as to how many tables were broken and to how many mm-hmm. chairs were used okay Ooh, the chairs might get me um, how many so tables broken are you counting the times they jump into the audience as like use of when they dive onto the chairs as use of chairs? Oh, so when like you get slammed into a whole row of chairs, right? No. Okay. So just okay. swinging chair shots is what you're talking swinging, about. Swinging chair shots or DDT power bomb into a chair. Gotcha. Um, so tables, I think I hold put on. That, I, I, no. I have an over under. I have an over under. Okay. So, Chris and Warren, over under six and a half tables broken in this pay-per-view. I'm taking the over. I'll take the under. Uh, By my my calculations, it was six. So, it would be the under. Okay. One table was broken twice. Right, that was the Masato Tanaka match. Yes. So chairs used either by swinging or smashed into the over under on them. Right. The over under is 17 and a half. 17. Taking the over again. (laughs) God. Uh, Can I also do the over? Sure, if you want to. I'm going to also do the over. Uh, I have the under at 17. The under, damn it. Just under. Just under. Just under. Well, that's still still a a lot of spots involving tables and chairs. For six matches, that's almost three chairs (laughs) per match. Yeah, that's a lot. Like I said, for just just as much as they would would like to be known for good tradition, not traditional, but good mat wrestling and and in ring talent and just regular you know moves, they were also 
ready to dump you through a table or a chair involved or even baby powder. So I think we can ring the bell on that match. So now we head to a... Joey Styles was not sure if they were going to talk about or show this portion of the match. It's a promo here by New Jack, who was scheduled to face off against Jack Victory. And he's outside before the pay-per-view started, talking about how he's going to get after Jack Victory. Hyping up the crowd. Hyping up the crowd. And uh, Jack Victory actually pulls up in his... uh, was that like try, a Lincoln Town Car, whatever it was? It looked like a, it looked like a Lincoln. And it's a, Cadillac, uh, it's a Cadillac, you morons. It was a Cadillac. Was a Cadillac? Okay, well, it's a Cadillac. Whatever it was. Something like Grandma so, would drive. Jack Victory pulls up and they just get to going. Um, and then not too long after that, here come the Dudleys. Bubba Ray, Devon, Big Dick Dudley. And they're uh Given the business to New Jack before Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten, and RVD come to make the save. So uh, that match, uh, because of the attack, will not uh, take place on this pay-per-view. Pilch, I know you said you had something for this segment. What do you got for it? So the first thing I had was they cut to Joey Styles, Shane Douglas, and Francine before they go Mm -hmm. to this part. and. There's like a quick movement of the camera where Francine looks so uncomfortable that it made me uncomfortable. Like (laughs) Shane Douglas had his arm around her and was like touching her arm and she just looked like she wanted to die. And then Mm. throughout the rest of the pay-per-view, it looked like, you know, it's, it's not a funny thing, but it just looks like she is on some sort of medication where she just is not really sure where she is and why she's there. And like she it looks like she's staring off into space the whole time. And I'm curious as to where they got Francine from and why they allowed her on television for this long. Because she's obvious, she, in my opinion, she's obviously not well. Um, <laughs> to go on to the, the actual segment, um, I like the fact that we got an actual street fight. Uh, I didn't expect the Dudleys to be riding around in a Cadillac. I thought that was a little strange. You know, I, mm-hmm. I picture them in like, you know, a 1974 Ford Ranger with like 500,000 miles on it, covered in mud. <laughs> um, new Jack being New Jack. I mean, you know, this is nothing normal. I was actually, I actually wrote here in verbatim. Oh no, the Battle of the Jacks is canceled. I was kind of upset about that. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if ECW was was naming matches like uh, this was 1990 WCW, where they had to name everything, or uh, I, Batch of the Beach WCW, I mean, where they had it was. The Battle of the Jacks. Jack versus Jack. Only the strong Jack survives. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this whole promo was just very weird. Like, I, I, I'm I, still to this day, I know this took place 22 years ago. I'm worried about Francine. Like, I hope she's okay. I, I can I assure you in my research that Francine is still alive. Thank um, God. And... Is t- 
and is doing well to my knowledge. So, uh, so yeah. I felt like Chris- she was being held against her will and it just made oh. me really uncomfortable. Chris, did you have anything for this uh, section of the... Yeah, I only have one thing. I mean, you know, it's it was a cool little, you know, uh, vignette, I guess you can say, or, you know, promo. Um, but I will say this. New Jack gets, you know, uh, the head smashed on the hood of the car, right? We've seen it a bunch of times mm-hmm. throughout wrestling. Should just be like, oh, he hit his head on the car and then like falls on the ground. He blades for this and gets busted wide open, which is like he didn't like didn't crack the windshield. Like it was just the hood of the car, like no biggie. But he decided like, I'm going to blade on this. (laughs) He starts gushing blood. (laughs) New Jack being New Jack. I just thought it was a weird spot to blade. Like at least like, I don't know, something a little. And he didn't hit it. He didn't like hit him on the car that hard. It wasn't multiple times. It was just once. Like, I just thought that was a weird spot to blade is all. So I would probably lean towards uh, it being something like, I mean, you've seen New Jack's forehead. Oh, yeah. I, I would just guess maybe it's just extra tender where the, the smallest thing could bust it open. Uh, that would be my mm, probably my explanation for it. He just likes blading. I think he just likes it. I, and if you saw the the documentary The Dark Side of the Ring that was about New Jack. Um All right. The Dark Side would, of the Ring wasn't about New Jack. He was in it, but it, it was it was about New Jack. Because they talked about the mass transit incident. Oh, when he almost killed that kid? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite line from that, my favorite line from that, where uh, New Jack would be talking and then he would say, Yeah, I was was snorting Coke again. Right before you'd go into why he was doing something super ridiculous. Well, <laughs> Warren, you know what you need to do. You gotta, make, you gotta make that a drop. Gotta make, <laughs> gotta make that a drop. I'll, I'll see if I could find that on the on the interwebs. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Uh, oh wait, no, one more thing before I ring the bell. The next promo was RVD. Sabu and Bill Alfonso talking about their opponents, uh, Jinsei Shinsaki and Hayabusa. RVD sneezing and sneezing Hakushi (laughs) was hilarious. Uh, Do you remember Hakushi from early 90s WWE? I do. Mid 90s WWE? So that's who Uh this guy was, Jinsei Shinsaki. Oh, no, um, I knew that immediately as soon as I saw him because the uh, yes. tattoos or whatever they are. Yes. Um, but it's hilarious that, that Rob was doing that. But this is peak uh, Mr. Monday Night Rob Van Dam here yeah. on ECW. And Sabu was clearly done with his shit. <laughs> Sabu was done with his shit. Sabu never had time for RVD's nonsense. Never did. Even when they were team and they were here, they're tag team champions yeah. in ECW. Mm-hmm. And Sabu just, just couldn't care less. 
Um, but let's ring the bell and move on to our next contest. Masato Tanaka taking on Mike Awesome. There we go. I was never a Mike Awesome fan. Real excited about this one. Okay. Real excited about this one, guys. You can be excited all you want. Um, I never bought into Mike Awesome. Um, I felt justified after one after he's le- he's the ECW champ and he leaves to go to WCW still as the champ. So then he's got to fight. He's got to drop the belt. So then the WCW Mike Awesome fights the WWF Taz for the ECW title on an ECW show. Oh, that was great. Yeah. And then he goes to WCW. And look, we've been watching ECW, seeing how massive of a human he is. He gets to WCW. His first thing he does is does a run-in on uh, Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, who is a legitimate seven-footer. And Mike Awesome comes out, and all of a sudden he's like six three, and is so tiny standing next to Kevin Nash and uh, whoever else was big. So he just was kind of uh, I don't know. He's kind of a myth to me. But being as and weighing as much as he did, but they said he was built about two ninety. His athleticism was no joke, and he was definitely on display in this match. Oh yeah. Uh, let's go to Pilch first. Pilch, what do you got for Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome? Uh, Mike Awesome is related to Hulk Hogan, is he not? No. Are you sure? Positive. How positive? Very positive. Did you, you saw that in your, your efforting? Uh, no, I thought I'd heard that. I could be Hmm. wrong. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll uh, I'll do some looking. Go ahead. You uh, talk about the rest of Avery. Horace, Hogan. Horace, Horace Hogan, Hogan is his cousin. Yes, Horace Hogan. This is not Horace Hogan. Yeah, so he's related to Hulk Hogan. Got it. Um, so two things on oh. Tanaka. He is the cousin of Hulk Hogan's nephew, Michael Valea, who's Horace Hogan. I didn't know that. Amazing. There All go. right, go continue. So Tanaka's theme music, and I know I touched on this before, sounds like they took a sample from turning Japanese and turned it into <laughs> entrance music, which is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, um, exactly the way you got to explain it. Mike Awesome comes out. I'm familiar with Mike Awesome. Uh, Masato Tanaka comes out, and I'm not familiar with him, but he looks like he's been through some shit. Oh, yeah. He's got so many big old scars all over him. I was like, this guy's been through some stuff. Yes, 100%. Uh, Mike Awesome's theme song is like they hired a Guns N' Roses cover band to make it, and they hired Mike Awesome to be the lead singer, which, you know, never, never a good look. Okay, so remember earlier I said that the only person on the pay-per-view that had their actual theme music was Taz. I made a mistake. The second person that had their actual theme music was Mike Awesome. So they also, 
this is going to be a deep track here, but uh, Masato Tanaka is the Homer Simpson of ECW. What? <laughs> You're going to have to explain this. I will. So, have either one of you ever watched The Simpsons, like, at all? Have you seen, like, episodes of it? Oh, Ed, it, they're, they're pushing about 30 seasons. I'm sure everybody has seen episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, but, I mean, like, have you have you watched it at all? Like, like you know, recently, like, you mean? No, not recently. Like, when you are a kid. Like, Just, where they're like... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Do you remember like the episode where Homer Simpson becomes like a professional boxer? Vaguely. Mm-hmm. Vaguely. So his gimmick is like he he can't box, but he just sits there and gets like beat up. Oh, and, okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he he just takes such a beating that like the other boxer just like faints out of exhaustion and he wins, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they build Tanaka to be. Is like he's this guy that just like takes like such a giant beating and he wins. And that's essentially like what he does in this match. Like Mike Awesome just like beats the crap out of him for eight minutes. And then he gets that one uh, power bomb over the top rope, puts him through the table, which was horrifying because it looks like Mike Awesome's head just basketballed off the concrete. After it went through a wooden table. Definitely looked like he landed on his neck there. Um, there was also Mike Awesome hit him with the top rope headshot with a chair. Mm-hmm. And I just I wrote in my notes like Tanaka's a vegetable. Like he, <laughs> he can't eat anymore. Um they had that spot where and this was like the goofiest spot of the whole day review. Where they gave Tanaka the chair and like he like got the chair, I was so excited about it that he ran all the way up to the top of the ramp. And then he like looked around for about thirty seconds and then he ran all the way to the end of the ramp, and then he hit Mike Awesome with the chair. And I thought to myself, like it didn't do you any good to run <laughs> all that far, <laughs> like and because it's not like he was running fast, like he was like barely jogging. And then by the time he got to Mike Awesome, like he stopped. Mm. So <laughs> if you um, um, side note for a second, if you uh, ever get a chance um, outside of watching our you know pay-per-views that we are talking about, look up on YouTube a match between Hulk Hogan and against the Great Muda in Japan. One of the great Muda's uh, signature spots, I would say. Uh, Because in Japan, they usually had the entryways that were like the setup how ECW had it, where you were on like a platform and you kind of just walked through. Or AEW. AEW's done it too. And And I wanted to mention it on here. I always liked that kind of entryway like that. Um. To where the platform goes to the ring. I don't know why. Just always thought it was pretty cool. But <laughs> Muda has a spot where Hogan's standing on that ramp closer to the ring. And Muda runs, I don't know, almost all the way down. And you can see him running like it's his entrance at WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom running the whole way just to do a nice little clothesline spot. Um, 
So it's a thing over there. Uh, in case you uh, weren't weren't necessarily aware. I was aware. It just was unnecessary this particular <laughs> occasion. Um, other than that, I wrote Mike Awesome is 100% concussed, which he was. Like after that awesome bomb that he took and concussed. Um, I wrote turning Japanese question mark. I really think so. <laughs> and then they replayed him smashing his head on the the cement, which I wrote like slow mo CTE. Like we're watching this individual his brain just turning into mush. Mm. <laughs> However, mm. the the tornado DDT by Tanaka onto Awesome on the chairs, I thought was a great spot. It was actually a pretty good match. Um, the problem was there's just a few spots that were just very ugh, like cringeworthy that kind of took away from the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Chris, what do you got besides Tanaka Mike Awesome? One match that you were uh, really looking forward to for this pay-per-view. I was literally looking forward to this match, and I was not disappointed. It was great. Um, first thing I noticed, the ring announcer in this match looked a lot like Steve Carell. I had to pause and see if it actually was Steve Carell. Um, second was it? Thing I noted, no, it wasn't. It was not Steve. Steve Carell. Uh, second thing I noticed, Mike Awesome, very agile for a man his size. Very agile. He did a lot of hopping around this ring. Um, did that dive onto out to the uh, to the crowd, which was very um, you know just surprising. it was put it. But it wasn't that uh, impressive because he moved the gate so far close to the ring. They all do it. Like, they all do it. That's how like, you know it's coming. Ah, I just you yeah. you were that was less impressive because they moved the gate closer. He moved it so far closer. It was like the gate was like touching the ring. Yeah. But still, I mean, him hopping up on the rope like that, I mean, that was that that was impressive. I'll give you that. But the the jump itself was meh. Okay. And he jumped um, into a clo- he jumped into a clothesline. So he literally just jumped onto his own feet. I can't that a, a 290 pound man doing a jump like that is meh, regardless of what move it ended up being or the fact that they slid the guardrail closer to the ring. I think that's still an impressive feat. Uh, yeah, the next thing I have, I mean, the match was, you know, they wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Um, I just have the chair shot to Tanaka's head. My God, that's what I there uh and then i wrote tataka tanaka definitely has a concussion um and then tanaka's powerbomb equals holy fuck uh that powerbomb to the outside of the ring i mean yeah mike awesome landed directly on his dome that table did not do its job at breaking his fall he barely touched it and he hit all concrete (laughs) Uh, but I mean, this match was, this match was great. It was so exciting. It was, it was, I enjoyed it top to bottom. The, the running spot with the chair, when he ran down the, the, the ramp just to like smash it on his head, like 
I don't know. They made it seem like he was running like Usain Bolt and like he was running so fast. I, I mean, he, yeah, he barely had a jog going. <laughs> like he was, I mean, maybe you could say he was speed walking. I don't know, but. I, I Real don't Home Realizations by Realtor.com. What is that? <laughs> you know what stage of life Uh-oh. you're in by the number of walls you're bent. What in Now that you spent so much time at home, I don't know. It's time to find a new one. Realtor.com. Oh. No, oh, sorry, about, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> what was some, that? There was some random ad on. Uh, I think it was on our drop thing. Oh, really? thank you for listening to the Triple R podcast, sponsored by Realtor.com. <laughs> yeah, Realtor.com. <laughs> oh boy, that was strange. Uh, but continue, uh, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta cut that. We got no. that. Are you are you looking for a new house? Well, let me tell you the best place to go. <laughs> www.realtor.com. They have all your home buying solutions in one place. Realtor.com is not an official sponsor, but if you want to be, hit us up at triple R Pod at Gmail. Oh, and they will the, be. Real, the real triple R podcast at gmail.com. There you go. You got it. Now I want I want you to talk about this match a little bit more, Chris. But before we get to that, I'm gonna to talk to you about realtor.com. <laughs> Warren, right, I'm glad ahead. you brought that up because I, a couple weeks ago I was looking now, I, now we're in I this. Was looking for, <laughs> I was looking for a place to live. And <laughs> Okay, Chris, go, go right ahead. Don't pay any attention to us. I don't have any other notes. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Let's ring the bell. Ring the bell. Okay, the next, the next thing on the card here, there was a Dudley Boys promo here, and they got everybody. Ooh, ooh, bumping. ooh. Bubba before, Ray before the, before the Dudleys, we had a Taz promo. Oh, I missed the okay. I didn't write anything down about the Taz promo, but the Taz promo was typical uh, ECW Taz. Um, I I have two notes or three notes what you got? about that. Um, first note: Taz needs a new towel. <laughs> no, nope. That is negative points. He needs a new towel. That towel has been destroyed. Carry a towel around. Most of high school. Uh, absolutely. Um, I wrote a tagline for Taz. FTW championship. Unrecognized since 1998. <laughs> that would that would be a nice T-shirt. That would be. Uh, Taz called out Steve Austin. Goldberg. And Mike Tyson. And I think that's pretty ballsy. That's, that's I don't think you should any of those people. <laughs> I like Taz and as much as the next person, but eesh. 1998 Taz could have taken on uh, any of those guys. Mm-hmm. and put up. A- I mean, Austin and Goldberg, sure. Not Mike Tyson. <laughs> no, not, not Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson. Definitely not Mike Tyson. And listen, I love Mike Tyson, but 
I think I think that's at least in discussion. It's I don't think so. That's Warren right now. <laughs> it's a discussion, at least. Are you thinking that Taz could take on Mike Tyson? That's it's a discussion. He just put well, him in the Taz mission. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, I was sitting in my room the other day and I was thinking about where I could watch the Taz Mike Tyson fight. And I don't have a movie theater in my house. But you know where I can find a house with a movie theater? God damn it. I was wondering, where is he going with I, this? I wonder where uh, you could find a movie theater in it, Pilch. For all your dream house needs, just log on to www.realtor.com. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now on to the... <sighs> <laughs> the Dudley Boys promo here is prime yeah, ECW Dudley's here with Bubba Ray, Devon, Big Dig Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, Joel Gertner, uh, Jeff Jones, uh, anybody you can think of except for Spike Dudley. He was kind of ostracized from the family. How tall is Joel Gertner? How tall is Joel Gertner? Yeah. I don't. I don't like he's remember really being. Tiny. I don't remember him being uh, absurdly short. Next to everyone in his little stable, there he looks very, very tiny. Like I didn't really notice it in this segment, but in when they're in the ring, right before their match, he mm-hmm. looks so so tiny. He looks like a little baby next to everybody. You know. Probably standard person height, I guess. I don't know. But that would mean that like Bubba Ray and Devon are just like tall AF. I'd be willing to bet that. Same thing with Big Dick Dudley. I think he's a pretty big guy too. Tall is Joel Gertner. So while Chris efforts the height of Joel Gertner, uh, the next match on the card... Is for the ECW Tag Team Titles. It is RVD and Sabu with Bill Alfonso versus two legends from Japan, Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinsaki. He is really t- tiny. He's 5'7". That's average. I mean... 5'7"? That's not... That's not. I don't think that's ridiculously short. I don't know. Five seven is average. I would say like five ten is average. Okay, you're thinking of probably in lines of average for like a wrestler. No, I think for people <sighs> in general. Okay. I feel like five set for five ten. It's like average. Because the wife, my wife, is five seven. Mm. My daughter is probably almost five seven two. Sydney is six feet tall, and you know it. Ten. <laughs> she is six feet, going on seven feet. <laughs> um. Okay. ECW titles: RVD and Sabu taking on Hayabusa, Jinsei Shinsaki. Um. I don't know what the issue was, but it, this match just kind of. For as 
talented as all four of these guys are, I just I don't they didn't have very good chemistry, at least in my eyes. Um, Chris, let's start with you. Uh, RVD Sabu, Hayabusa, Jinsei Shinsaki. What do you got? Well, when this match first started, I knew it was going to be all over the place. I thought it was going to be complete chaos. And for one reason, one reason alone, uh, you cannot contain Sabu. No. You can't stop him. You can't even hope to contain him. He's just going to do what he wants. And it was prevalent from the start of the match. I would even say Sabu is a worse tag team partner than Macho Man Randy Savage because he was all over that apron, kept trying to jump in the ring at like the weirdest time. Nothing was happening, and he kept trying to get in the ring. <laughs> it's just like the ref kept having to yell at him, get back there, get back to that corner, get back there. And he just kept on trying to get into this ring. <laughs> so I think it would be really funny to see Sabu and Randy Savage on a tag team together and just watch them just like, I don't know, monkey around out on the apron or something. Um, uh, I wrote down uh, RVD is the original Matt Riddle. <laughs> I thought that was that's a good comparison. It's the basically they are basically the same gimmick, exactly the same. Um, and I wrote down you can definitely see RVD's dick in those trunks, uh, <laughs> like full on penis like i saw it outline of it when he's standing there posturing to the crowd it's just right there uh too much he just these weren't the right uh spray uh spray art uh leotards for him to wear they were way too loose i could see it the entire time it's in there it's moving around Okay. All right. Okay. All right. (laughs) Move on to your next point. How how funny would it be if those were my only two points of this whole match? (laughs) Bad was a bad tag team partner, and I saw RVD's dick. That's it. That's all. (laughs) No. Okay. I got a couple more. I got a couple Oh god. I should have just said that was it. That was it. No, uh, that um, as Sabu really wanted to get into that match, um, there was a hip toss, hip toss botch, um, between Sabu and Ibusa, and the fans let them know it. Uh, yep. and it was just it, it came back to I don't know what Sabu. Maybe he was just overly excited. Maybe he was on something. I don't know. But I felt like Sabu just was not focused in this match. He was all he was all over the place, and like I think he was like trying to rush to get to spots and like forgot a couple spots and I don't know what he was doing. He's just it was I don't know the way he was moving around the ring. It like wasn't because usually in a wrestling match you know they have these big spots, especially if they're in a pay per view. They have these big spots they have to get to, and everything else is just kind of like moving them to the next spot. But they you have to do it in a way where it doesn't seem like you're moving to the next spot. It's like you're telling the story. Sabu was just moving from spot to spot to spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was – if if you want to talk about spot monkeys in professional wrestling, uh, Sabu is probably the biggest. Yeah. Uh, he's right ahead of the Young Bucks. <laughs> but I feel like the Young Bucks, even they'll – 
I don't know, like the way they do it. It's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's not as good as I'm thinking of, but I just it's felt not like as good as you're thinking of, by all means. Maybe I'm the, the Bucks will get their stuff in regardless. Um, then they, they started going, uh, taking it to the outside and taking it into the crowd. And I wrote, this match is getting off the rails. Uh, and then there was a spot. Sabu, what did he do? There was a spot. Sabu like plexes one of the guys or something, gets him in the middle of the ring, and then RVD comes out of nowhere as if someone, God himself, plucked him from the heavens and just dropped him into this ring. He, I don't know if he even did a frog splash or what, but he jumped. Three quarters away across the ring and did the splash, turning in midair. You couldn't see it. All you saw him was was him drop out of the sky. And Joey Styles goes, "Oh my God, he just jumped. He just turned in midair." But you don't see that. All you see is just Sabu. I forget how Sabu got him on the mat. But Sabu slams him or dumps him off the top or something, and then out of nowhere, RVD splash from across the ring. Um. And then I have, uh, they were going to do a table spot, but the table was broken. Mm -hmm. Oh, you see the ref go around like, oh, cancel the spot. It's broken. The table's broke. And Sabu runs out of the ring, goes under the (laughs) apron, and he pulls out like five tables. It's like, don't worry. Sabu found more tables. Like he's got them. And I think the ref even told him, like, hey, we just need one. And he's like, oh, four? Okay. And he gets, like, <laughs> no, one table. More? You want more? And he just bring it, bringing out table after table after table. And he just won. I don't even know. And they, the funny thing is, is that they did the spot on the broken table. And I think that made Sabu mad. And he's like, we could just get another one. Why do we waste that spot on not putting him through a ta- he's like really upset about it mm-hmm. um and then they do the uh they put them both on the table habibusa and uh hakushi they put them both on the table and then they do the from each turnbuckle the leg drop spot through the tables and the ref just like throws his hands up and is just pacing because he doesn't even know what to do. He's so confused and like he doesn't check him. He doesn't squeeze the Iggy on anybody. He's just hands up in the air like I don't know what to do. And I wonder if like they just made that spot up on the fly and the ref was like legit confused because <laughs> he didn't know like how to check first. Like it was just so much carnage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was not that was my last note. And then the uh, RVD and Sabu get the win. Um, I thought this was a great match. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it was very chaotic. Very. This was the ECW match. Like when I think ECW, this is the match. This is the type of match and like the the um, format of a match that I I envision in my head. Um, just like the pure chaos of it, and it was it was great. I I thought the match started off a bit slow before it started to pick up. Um, oh yeah, because Sabu didn't get in a match. Once Sabu got in, it was it was they were off to the races, and he was 
driving this crazy train and just like we're gonna i'm gonna, i think he got in the ratch and just like whispered in hibus's ear like i'm gonna fuck your shit up <laughs> just <start going> crazy. <laughs> I, it definitely i thought it really picked up when um there's an acai moonsault by hibusa uh sabu does his patented triple jump dive uh onto the other uh competitors hibus is a, a flying um artist uh he has a hits a crispy 450 splash on um i want to say it was on sabu but don't don't quote me on that um i thought it was a very good match like you said it's a is a prototypical ecw match with um with some flying with some spots some tables uh chaos uh it had everything that fits the bill uh pilch what do you got for this match you can give your soul to Jesus, but your ass belongs to the Dudleys. That's <laughs> fine to get that in there before I talk about this match. Gotcha. Uh, so I saw a lot of signs in the crowd that said RVD 420. Yes. So I like to think that Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. RVD 420 says, I just lost the remote to the television. <laughs> it, was, it was actually uh it was rvd 420 i just smoked your ass yeah same shit okay um, <laughs> i wrote here hayabusa is the japanese sabu which i think is accurate um okay yeah I, he's a little more polished in the ring than sabu but yes with the dives absolutely um I'm not a big fan of the high school janitor that was uh, accompanying RVD and Sabu to the ring. Bill Alfonso? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was not a high school janitor. That is former official Bill Alfonso. He turned into the manager of champions. He is always the man that calls it right down the middle. Right down the middle. I actually He's almost a- didn't make it through this match because of that whistle. The whistle, like, the whistle is amazing. I, I turned it on mute at one point. I was like, I can't deal oh with this fucking gosh, You were digging yourself a hole, Justin. That's fine. Um, I didn't like how Joey Styles said Sabu was homicidal, suicidal, and genocidal. Yeah, like, I yeah. can understand yeah. homicidal and suicidal, but like genocidal is a little... Like, why that's, how, that's how crazy Sabu was. Why are we rooting for this guy? He's just going to genocide us um, wow. <laughs> uh there i agree with you guys the beginning of the match was very very slow um it was just mostly rvd peacocking the entire time mm-hmm. he, which you know it's fine just started off very slow i think the uh praying rope walk by uh, Shins- Shinsasuke, Shinsuke, whatever you want to call him, the guy from WWE. It's just, it's goofy. It's goofy? It's goofy. It, it doesn't do any damage. It, it It's a cool show of his balance, but. Okay, where, okay, all right. Okay, hear me out now. Where are you at with Undertaker's old school? Oh, that's. Just it'll it'll break your arm. <laughs> it's the same thing. 
Disagree completely. Move on to your next point before you lose any more points. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I I didn't like that Sabu fumbled the chair catch from the uh, janitor. Mm-hmm. I thought if a janitor throws your chair, he should catch it. Not a janitor. He's a manager of champions. Sure. Um, at one point, so we we touched on the fact that the table's already broken. I thought that was a weird spot. Uh, that RVD splash came out of freaking nowhere. Like out this of nowhere. Where did he come from? <laughs> and it, it came with such high impact. You're just like, oh, shit. Like, I actually, like, moved back my chair. Um, <laughs> that was ridiculous. But at one point, RVD kicked, I think it was Hayabusa in the face. And Joey Styles said that he took it right in the puss. Which... <laughs> Interesting choice of words. Um, the You've double leg drop through the table. No, really? No, I don't think so. Maybe mm-hmm. I've heard it because I'm old. I don't know. The double leg Chris- drop through the tables is a was a great finish. Um, mm-hmm. It was a weird match. I, I expected a lot more, honestly. Oh, and I wrote that Sabu went to the Macho Man Tag Team uh, Partner Academy. Very, very much so. Yeah, he's a he must have been a valedictorian the year he graduated because uh, <laughs> very good at distracting everyone on the ring. Chris, have you ever heard of the the expression "right in the puss"? Like getting hit in the face? Yeah. Yes. Uh, maybe it's just Justin Pilcher then. Let's go on to the next match. It is for the FTW title. The champion, Taz, defends against Bam Bam Bigelow. I am a big fan of both competitors. I am a huge fan of Taz, as we've talked about before. Um, We have a very slimmed-down version of Bam Bam here, um, probably in the best shape that I can remember uh, of Bam Bam being in in his professional wrestling career. Um, But I was definitely looking forward to this match um, more so because I knew what was, uh, what was going to happen. Let's start with Pilch. Pilch, what do you got for Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow? Survive. If I let you beat me, if you can. The mantra of Taz. Um, this match was pretty much everything I think you would expect. I mean, you know, very little time in the ring, if any, maybe 45 seconds out of the 10 minutes that went on for. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that spot where Taz got tossed in a group of chairs. I think the only thing that's really worth talking about in this entire match was the DDT through the ramp. Where Shane Douglas kept screaming, they're dead. Which I, I actually said that myself. I was like, oh, they're dead. And then he's like, they're dead, they're dead. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad someone agrees with me. Um, You know, Bama Bigelow crawls out of there first. He looks like he's all disheveled. And then, like, Taz, after getting, like, his 
just beat up for eight minutes, just explodes out of the hole in the ground and just tackles him, hits him with the Taz mission, and that was it. Um, you know, Shane Douglas thought it was a fix. You know, I kind of tend to agree. I, I saw Bam Bam reaching for the rope. I don't know why they called it. I don't think he tapped. I think he was going for the rope. Um, and then Sh- Shane Douglas uh, spiked a, you know, old monitor, broke his headset, and he left. And that was Taz or Spam Bang Boogaloo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was a late change to this match where they made it into a Falls Count Anywhere, and they did not disappoint. Um, and they did not hesitate getting into the taking it anywhere in the building. Um, like I mentioned before with Shane's commentary, uh, I thought he felt the most comfortable talking on a mic when he was spewing the hatred towards Taz and in favor of Bam Bam Bigelow. And I think he should have just did that the entire pay-per-view. Um, and, uh, I also thought it was a very questionable tap, um, at the end of the match, it did look like uh, he was reaching for the rope. And I think uh, Shane Douglas and Bam Bam Bigel had a uh, had a case for it to be a, a questionable finish there. Um, Chris, what do you got? Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, so uh, Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow did not spend a lot of time in the ring. Um, when they go out into the crowd... There is a, you know, they, they, Taz dives into the, you know, gets thrown into the, the row of chairs. Bam Bam takes a chair and, uh, you know, uses it against Taz. And then you can hear somebody in the crowd go, that's my fucking seat. Where am I supposed to sit? <laughs> you listen real close. You can hear him. He just keeps saying, that's my fucking seat. <laughs> my chair. Uh, and then uh, there's another one where you can hear somebody in the in the crowd. It's when they get back into the ring, and they've already gone through the table once, and then Taz sets it up again in the corner. And then once Taz goes to set the table up again in the corner, somebody goes, "Uh oh, Tazplex!" And then he immediately does the Tazplex through the table. <laughs> Um, the DDT through the ramp was a great spot. Um, and then I wrote, I don't know if Bam Bam actually tapped. I don't think he was giving up. I think he was just, he was still in the middle of selling. He was crawling towards the rope. Hope maybe he could have like pulled himself to his feet, but at no point did I see him tap out. Did I see him? And I mean, the re- I think the ref prematurely called it. Um, so I think the franchise's uh, gripe with it being a fix, I think it's completely legit. It's I I didn't see it happening. Bam, and I don't think Bam Bam even knew Taz was off of him. He was still selling, like he thought he was still in it in the in the hold. He thought he was still in the Taz mission. Um, well, this was a fun match. I mean, they re- they these guys explored the space. They were all through that crowd. Um, I think they got like halfway around. Uh, in the audience, you know, disrupted a lot of people's seats. And then I was thinking, 
now that they've like dove through these chairs and like knocked all these rows out of alignment, like who fixes that? Do they, does the crowd just fix it? And just like, I think my chair was here. Like, how does that get back to normal? They just I, it I think the crowd puts it back together. I think the crowd puts it back together. Yeah, why not? Maybe. Um, uh, what else happened in this match? Uh, I think that's all I got. I mean, it was just it was fun to watch. It was you know, it was interesting. And I just I really liked them going through the the uh, the ramp. I thought that was really good. And this was um this was a follow up to their previous match where. Um, and I think they showed the highlight in at some point during the match where uh Taz has Bam Bam Biggle in the Taz mission on his back, Bam Bam Biggle is on his feet, and they kind of stumble, stumble, or kind of rock back and forth, rocking back and forth. Then they takes a uh, takes a huge back bump and they both fall through the ring, right? Um, this was the next, so that happened, and then they have this match here, and everybody's thinking, okay, what's next? And then what was next was that DDT spot through the ramp, which gets a ton of replay after it happened on the ECW TV opening package, or if you just look up moments from ECW on on the YouTubes, um, I'm sure that spot will get a, a ton of play. Um Really enjoyed this match. Uh, like he's like we all mentioned, questionable tap at the end, but Taz gets the win and he moves one step closer to getting his hands on Shane Douglas and the ECW World Heavyweight Title. So Shane leaves, and we start to get the best of Joey Styles him solo for the. <laughs> Main event of the evening. It is a Dudleyville street fight. The Dudleys versus Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, and Little Spike Dudley. Uh, solo Joey Styles is the best version of Joey Styles. Um, I liked when he was with Joel Gertner on commentary. I liked when he was with Don Callis uh, on commentary. Um Shane Douglas did some commentary with him, uh, more than just this one pay-per-view. Um, but if you're an ECW fan, you want Joey Styles up there. And um, he absolutely despises everything oh, that yeah. Dudley stand for. He does not like the Dudley boys at all. He And he was not afraid to let you know. Uh, that I thought that whole, you know, he's just speaking straight to camera. Like, I know I'm supposed to be a... Uh, play-by-play guy i know i'm supposed to be neutral but f that the dudley boys are and just any word he could think garbage they're trash they're the scum of the earth they're this they're he hates the dudley boys and what they did to uh beulah he can't stay i think i think joey styles is more mad about it than tommy dreamer ever will be <laughs> he is upset <laughs> When they cut, when they cut to the them in the locker room, he didn't even want to say, I, "I'm not listening. I'm taking my headset off. Like I'm not listening to this garbage." Like he wouldn't even listen to that. He's like, "Just cut, cut to him. I don't care. I'm not introducing him. Just go if you're gonna go." Like he doesn't 100%. want anything to do with the Dudleys. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but Chris, go ahead uh, and and take your points here for this match, main event of 
Heat Wave 1998. So I thought it was really funny. You know, the Dudley Boys come out. No music. They cut their promo in the middle of the ring to get some extra heat. You know, I think they do that all the time. I think Dudley Boys are really good at that. Um, You know, just taking shots at the crowd. Everybody gets their stuff in. Sign guy holds up some signs. Um, And then, you know, Sandman, Dreamer, and Spike Dudley come out. And Sandman hands out some beers. And Sandman does this whole, you know, cracking a beer, got to drink it, and break the can on my forehead, right? And he gives, you know, Dreamer towns his beer, Spike drinks a beer. Then Joey Styles goes, if Spike has two, he says, if Spike has a second beer, he'll miss the match. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's saying he's so tiny, his tolerance isn't that strong. It's, it's like, don't give him another one. That's all he kept saying through the whole thing. Like, make sure Spike doesn't have another beer, because we can't. Can't afford to not have him in this match. If I could interrupt for a second, um, for Pilch being as much of a a novice when it comes to ECW, I am very interested to see what his take is on the Sandman. But we'll get to that when it's his turn. My next point is uh, Sandman is already bleeding before the match. <laughs> Because of said soda can uh, cracking on his head. Uh, so it's already got blood in his eyes. <laughs> I think it makes him like, it's one of those things where he's like, no one makes me bleed my own blood but me. So he has to make himself bleed before he gets into the match. Um, <laughs> then I wrote, uh, you know, match goes on. You know, we got a couple, you know, people taking bombs, people taking bombs. Sandman gets in there and he's looking a little wobbly. And I wrote down, go home, Sandman. You're drunk. Because <laughs> he was <laughs> he was having a hard time hitting the ropes and you know doing a couple things. I thought he looked a little, you know, not with it. Maybe he gave himself a concussion with that beer can. I don't know, but <laughs> he he overcame it. But those first couple, those first couple seconds he got into the match, just like, ooh, Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have pounded that beer, man. Mm. Um, Devon oversell, always entertaining. You know, yes. he just he can't help himself. He gets hit with a chair or something. Just the convulsing and the shaking and the bouncing on his on his butt all across the ring. <laughs> just love it. Ah, the old Devon oversell. Um, Four-way corner drop kick with the assist from the ref. That was fun. I thought I didn't see that coming. And when they all got everybody in the tree of woe, I was thinking, I was like, they don't have enough people to do this. Like it's a three on three. There's only three of them. And they pulled the ref in to give the drop kick to Joel Gertner. I thought that was really interesting. Uh and um then I just wrote Jesus. What did I write? G- oh, it was the chair shot. Some uh, was it? Who gave who? Somebody gave. Probably, it was probably Bubba Ray hitting somebody. Yeah, I think it was Bubba hit. Oh, who did he hit? It was bad. It was really bad. Was it Spike? I don't know. I don't remember. All I remember is I just remember. It just like I cringed when I saw it. It was really bad. Like it was. Yeah, I did one of those. It was bad. It had to have been Bubba giving it to. Was it? Did was it Dreamer? 
somebody. It was somebody. Somebody got cracked. In Bubba, was, Bubba was a chair swinger. He was. Um, and then uh, so they get the win with um, what is it? Dreamer does a D, his DDT onto the ladder to Bubba. Mm-hmm. Gets the pin. Match ends. And then that guy, the Jack guy, comes out. Which one? The white guy. Kidding. I knew who it was. Jack Victory. Thank you. Jack Victory comes out and attacks Dreamer and everyone and gets a chair shot. Or not a chair, a guitar shot on Dreamer. And I like how they put the baby powder in the in the guitar because it like accentuates the guitar. I don't know who first thought to do that. I I don't remember Jeff Jarrett having that in there. I remember New Jack having it in there. Yeah. So this Jack Victory guy, they take out Dreamer, and then all of a sudden, New Jack's music hits, and it's the crowd goes crazy. And New Jack sort has sort of Jack has this assortment of just random things he probably found in the alley out back. Like he just has everything in his little shopping cart and he throws that stuff in the ring and (laughs) the fan, I mean, as soon as that Jack victory guy came out, fans go crazy. New Jack, new Jack, new Jack. And then the music hit and here he comes strutting down and he throws all, dumps all the stuff in the ring. And then new Jack does new Jack just, swinging everything at everybody and i thought it was really funny every time he hits somebody with something he's got to do a little dance and he <laughs> hit him in the head and he do a little dance and he hit him in the head and he do a little dance <laughs> the best one is the one when he hit uh when he has his guitar shot on so I, he like doesn't even i don't think he even finished hitting him with the guitar like Halfway through, he's already running away and going to like dance on the corner after he hits. <laughs> he's just so coked out of his mind and has CTE and like brain dead. He doesn't know what he's doing. he just knows he loves hitting people with things, and that's all he cares about. <laughs> oh, so new Jack. <laughs> new Jack. So Justin, here's the situation. Right now, you are within striking distance. Uh oh. Down, it looks like three. But you have the meat of the order coming up to the plate. So let's see if you can string together a few runs and take this one home. That's a lot of pressure. Well, you know what's going to be better than my segment, Warren? What is that? It's that finding your dream home is now easier than ever. God. All you have to do is log on to realtor.com. Oh, gosh. We take all the guesswork out of it for you. Just type in your address. A licensed realtor will be within your service within 30 seconds. Use our promo code, Triple R Pod, and it'll save you. Folks, that is not actually a promo code. An actual promo code. They're not a sponsor. They've never been a sponsor. That is not an actual promo code. Just, just so you're aware. 
<laughs> okay. Wow, I, I needed that. Go ahead, go ahead and talk about the main event here, Pilch. All right, so we got the Dudley Boys versus uh, Dreamer, Sandman, and Spike. Uh, Dudleyville Street Fight. Where is Dudleyville? Is it in Ohio? Is it wherever you manifest it? Is it like Imagination Land? I'm not um, sure. I think it's right around the corner from Parts Unknown and about 10 miles from Death Valley. Hmm. Now, with the economy the way it is, if you were looking to purchase a home, <laughs> Chris is not not finding this funny at all. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will stop it there. Um, Joel Gertner is he a pastor? Did he have a neck injury? What happened to his undershirt? <laughs> These are all questions that I, I don't think we're ever going to get an answer to. Okay, so um, this is another piece that um, a passive, well, not passive, but a uh, extremely casual fan of ECW would not put together. Uh, no, Joel, that is Joel Gertner's normal attire. He has uh, some kind of loud suit jacket. He has a neck brace and no shirt with his chest hair out. Um, every time that I've seen him, that is how he's dressed. Uh, why did he have the neck brace? He might have gotten, he might have taken a bump and just started wearing the neck brace and it just became his shtick. But uh, no, that's just always how he's looked. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll give him that. Um, I actually literally laughed out loud when the team of dreamer sandman and spike came out to the ring and like sandman had a big ladder and tommy dreamer had a medium-sized ladder and spike dudley had the little ladder i just thought that was really funny i don't know why it's like the three little bears yes one one ladder was just right and it wasn't spikes Um, I love the pre-fight beers, you know, Sandman. I don't know where he was getting all these beers from. He just like kept pulling them out of places. I, he, I think he always had pockets, a I lot of pockets. I, I'm a hundred percent sure he had six beers before the match even started. And I counted number seven when he cracked, I think it was, uh, Bubba Dudley in the head with a beer. Like mm-hmm. he hit, he hit the ropes. He smashed him right in the head with it. I thought it was great. And that was one of those like ECW does this very well where there's there's spots where you don't see something coming and then all of a sudden it just hits you like a train. You're just like, oh, I think someone just got punched in the face with a beer. Yeah, it was great. Um, I didn't. The one thing I thought was strange was they were this is a Dudleyville street fight. Mm-hmm. In the first like five minutes, they were following like normal tag team rules. Coincidentally. One of my notes talks about how the beginning of the match, it's normal wrestling and then it spills into chaos. But, and I don't know if I actually looked at the time or not, I put down five minutes. Yeah, how about that? How about that? Um, 
I like when uh, the Sandman did the Frankensteiner, but they called it the Frankensander. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I think um, this might have been before they renamed it. Um, because towards the end, at some point, Joey Styles named the all the Sandman's moves or his big moves after like drinks, alcoholic drinks. Uh-huh. So this was actually a Heineken Rana. Oh, I like that. Um, and he also had the uh, white Russian leg sweep. <laughs> a Russian leg sweep just with a Singapore cane added to it. I, I like that as well. Yes. Uh, let's see what else I have. Oh, so at one point, Joey, Joey Styles after... Uh, Big Dick Dudley hit Spike through the ladder. He said Big Dick with total penetration on the ladder, which I thought was aggressive. The name, the name of his move. <laughs> the name very, of the move was, was was called Total Penetration. Very aggressive. Um, aggressive. I... I know I'm going to lose points with you, Warren, here, and I'm going to say it either way because it's how I feel. Okay. Is I, lo- I lost total respect for Tommy Dreamer in this match. Why is and, that? And so his, is it his wife? Beulah McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy. Is that, that is, are they married? Or are they together? What's, what's the story? Okay, so they, at this point, they were together at least. Okay. They okay. got married, I want to say, in like 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the in my in my research, I guess they ended up getting uh, separated recently, actually. So they are one million percent together in 1998, correct? To, together, at least, yes. All Not right, married. It's so- definitely together. So you watch your wife get three deed by a couple of rednecks, right? Breaks her neck. She is no longer allowed to pursue her dream. And you have an opportunity to face them in a Dudleyville street fight. And you just sit on the apron for like 10 minutes. And you come out to the ring like super calm. Like, I mean, that, that to, like, I understand the story they built, and I, I like the story that they built. Like, the Dudley boys mm-hmm. are a bunch of assholes. Like, I get that. And they did this thing to a woman that no one should ever do. You should never put a hand, your hands on a woman. But when your hus- or husband, boyfriend, whatever, comes out to defend you, and he comes out and he casually drinks a beer, it sits on an apron for 10 minutes, and he is the innovator of violence. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just put you put yourself in that situation. Would you have just like it just didn't fit the story to me, I guess it's you know, if they, if this guy was like this big, bad mofo, like king of hardcore and they literally paralyzed his wife. And he finally has his revenge match and I get it, he won, but it took him eight minutes to even do anything. I don't know that that part felt off and a lot of this pay-per-view didn't feel off to me. A lot of it felt very genuine and um, like 
the the Taz Bam and Bigelow match is a good example of that. Like these people like literally want to kill each other. Yeah. And the one match where you want someone to want to kill somebody else, he comes out like he just like doesn't give a shit. And that kind of ruined this match for me, to be honest. Like I, I, I wanted that like fire out of and I've never really watched a Tommy Dreamer match. I know a lot about him. Like, you know, I've heard so many things and this was very I don't know. Not that he did anything wrong in the ring. I just thought they missed a golden opportunity. Like he should have ran out there with Sandman's kendo stick and a Budweiser and like threw it up in the air, like baseball hit it into Bubba Ray Dudley's face. Like you know, something you. just nuts. But he he acted like like in that stipulation by like eight minutes in wasn't even like a thing anymore. And then once the match is over, New Jack steals the entire stroke, which I loved. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love New Jack. <laughs> he has a shopping cart of violence. He comes out there. He hits he hits someone in the dick with a golf club and he dances around like a maniac. That's all fantastic. <laughs> um I can't I can't stress enough how how good Joey Styles was in this match. Especially with his his utter hatred for all of the Dudleys, um, the toughest guy in all of ECW is Spike Dudley. He's 150 oh, something, sure. and it's just just gets destroyed constantly by by average sized wrestlers. Um, I mentioned about that it was five minutes of normal wrestling before it spilled into the chaos. We talked about the Heineken Rada. Um, Chris got the ref to. Chiming in with the uh, the four way trio row drop kicks. Don't call him bald. Don't call him bald. Don't call him bald. Don't get mad. Um, Dreamer gets the win off the Dreamer DDT. Jack Victory comes out. New Jack comes out. Everybody goes home happy. Um, is a fitting end to an ECW pay per view. Uh, let's ring the bell and we'll call that a night on this pay-per-view so do you want to do you want to do awards first do you want to do scoring i think we should probably do first yeah we always do awards first i think yeah awards first uh chris what do you got for your awards uh let's see what i got i mean my the cream of the crop. My cream of the crop. Oh, it's uh, it's a toss up, but I think I'm going to have to give it to Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. It's my favorite match. I love that match. I can never get tired of it. It's just I love watching the two of them. It's just great wrestling. Mike Awesome showing off his ag- uh, agility, and Masato Tanaka just he takes a beating and keeps on trucking. And you know what? I love it. I love every second of it. Um, I don't know if I have an unripe banana. I really don't think there was any bad match. Even like, you know, you can say that the Lance Storm Chris Candido match was a cool down, but it was still entertaining. It was still very entertaining. Jerry Lynn, just incredible opener. Very entertaining. Uh, the RVD and Sabu against Haibu Sanakushi. Very entertaining. Like there was no, there was no lame duck in this card. Um, East. W was not about putting out a a lame duck match. They may have 
a schmoz match where it's like a new jack match yeah. like how it was at the end they may have a short match where it was a squash um but all of their matches meant or, or or had some kind of meaning or purpose behind them and it wasn't just thrown onto the card or most of the cards are like this where it's six matches of matches no shorter than 11 minutes where they give them plenty of time they tell a good story and they and they put on a show yeah so very hard um to come up with a a, a right bananas match for this pay-per-view but i do have uh one last award and that award is for Joel Gertner. Joel Gertner is tonight's recipient of the Scott Steiner Award. Congratulations, Joel Gertner. You solid did. choice for, for Joel Gertner there. Uh, Pilch, what do you got? So for my um, Cream of the Crop Award. The Cream of the Crop! In stereo. That's going to go to uh, Realtor.com. Because finding your dream home is never is now easier than ever. I'm never gonna get tired of that. Stupid idiot! <laughs> you just made the list. Oh gosh! As far never, as uh, my banana award goes, I'm gonna give my bananas to um, Shane Douglas. What? You gonna play the banana drop or um as soon as I scroll down and find it, Jesus. There we go. <laughs> Shane Douglas gets banana award because I am thoroughly convinced that he has drugged Francine and has kidnapped her against her will. And she has no idea where she is. And Francine, if you're listening to this, I can help you. Please call me. You are not alone. <laughs> Um, I only have one award for this man or for this pay-per-view. Um, it's my cream of the crop award. The cream of the crop. And that's going to go to Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, I just, this match was, uh, I don't know. The, the false can anywhere. They, they got all over the place. The huge spot with going through the ramp. Um, the piece with Shane Douglas added what he was able to add on commentary of being um, claiming that he wasn't going to be biased towards Bam Bam Bigelow and then how the match unfolded and him totally being biased and saying that it was the, the fix was in. That was his best uh, efforts there on commentary. And I wish he was able to do that for a majority of the pay-per-view because like I said, it just sounded like he was just getting fed lines and it just wasn't uh, wasn't as comfortable as, as some other people on commentary. So now to the final score. Uh, let's set the scene. Pilch was up in the bottom of the sixth inning. He was down three runs. And had the meat of the order coming up. And Chris brought out his closer. Who gave up a grand slam. Pilch wins by one, 14 to 13. Round of applause for Justin Pilcher hitting a grand slam in the bottom 
the, well, I guess it wasn't a great game for Coach. Grand slam in the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, Pilch, any uh, thoughts on you? Basically, you were starting behind the eight ball through this whole pay-per-view being um, not a, a big ECW fan and uh, managed to pull out the victory. You know, I like this pay-per-view a lot. I, I had a good time watching it. Um, you know, there's I think there's something to be said about the fact that there's not a bad match on here, right? Like it, it, all of it was entertaining. You know, I would have liked to see the Battle of the Jacks myself. So disappointed that didn't happen. Um, and you know, I can only thank the big thank the big man upstairs, and uh, of course, Realtor.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Well, I am. Um... I think we're ready to to wrap this one up. Um, this one went a little long too. How about that? We got a lot of stuff to talk about, and to think that uh, it was six six matches and very short promos in between. We still got a lot of stuff in there. Amazing. Let's get to the particulars. The plugs. Triple R Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The website is triplerpodcast.com. The email, the real triple R podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, RSS Code, Podcast Addict. I think I got them all. I think you did. Amazing. Uh, Five-star reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Send us some comments. Uh, Reach out to us for suggestions. Um, Any shows that you think we should watch, reach out to us as well. We'll we'll work on getting them onto the schedule. Um, And... uh, I am interested to see where Pilch is going to go next week when we reconvene on Sunday and uh, what pay-per-view he's going to watch. He is bound to pick anything, uh, including black and white 1950s uh, NWA wrestling. It's all on the table. Everything's on the table. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, no problem. I'll be here. Thank you as well. Thank you for having me. Uh, Here you go. And um, we will see you guys uh, next week. (laughs) For more Triple R Podcast.